Welcome to the Relevant Truth Podcast. My name is Roger Mason. This podcast is dedicated to examining biblical truth. The Bible is overflowing with relevant truth, useful in our everyday lives. Thus the title, Relevant Truth. The Bible was relevant to those that first heard it through the apostles and prophets. It is also timeless truth, which means it is relevant for us today in the 21st century. It is my hope that through this podcast, you will be both encouraged and challenged as we look at the Bible together. Jesus urges us in his Sermon on the Mount to resolve our conflicts with others quickly. Unresolved conflicts create all kinds of pain and heartache in our lives. In today's podcast, we will be looking at what Jesus has to say about murder, anger, and unresolved conflict. So let's turn to Matthew 5 and start reading at verse 21. You have heard that the law of Moses says, Do not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you are angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the high council. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. So if you are standing before the altar in the temple, offering a sacrifice to God, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there beside the altar, go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Come to terms quickly with your enemy before it is too late and you are dragged into court, handed over to an officer, and thrown in jail. I assure you that you won't be free again until you have paid every last penny. Jesus begins here the first of a series of quotes from the Law of Moses and then gives his own interpretation of that law. So he begins with the words, You have heard that the law of Moses says. And then he quotes the law from the Old Testament, followed by his interpretation using the words, But I say. When Jesus says, You have heard that the law of Moses says, he was probably making a reference to the teachings of the various rabbis rather than the law of Moses itself. Jesus was questioning the interpretation of the Jewish scholars, not the Law of Moses. The common opinions of the scribes regarding the Law of Moses was in error. Jesus expresses his thoughts regarding many of the laws of Moses in this chapter. In chapter 5, we find the phrase, You have heard that the Law of Moses says. This phrase is used five times. Verses 21, 27, 33, 38, and 43. And the phrase, But I say unto you, is used five times. In verses 22, 28, 34, 39, and 44. In verse 21, Jesus is quoting from the sixth commandment. Exodus 20 and verse 13, do not murder. Jesus makes an amendment to the Old Testament teaching on murder. He expands the meaning of the sixth commandment by saying, if you are angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. Jesus says that in the kingdom, you must not even have murderous thoughts. 
Jesus describes a better righteousness than what the scribes and Pharisees talk about. Do not murder. That's the New Living Translation. The New King James Version says, You shall not kill. This means that we are not to take life from another person. To the Jewish rabbis, this is all it meant and nothing more. But Jesus goes beyond this outward demand of the law. He traces the act of murder to its source, anger. Many of the murders in Canada are crimes of passion. Not premeditated murder, but murder that involves strong emotions such as anger, rage, jealousy, or heartbreak. These murders also involve close relationships, family, relatives, co-workers, or girlfriends. There is a clear relationship between anger and murder. Jesus then goes on to talk about unresolved conflicts and the importance of quick reconciliation. We are urged to resolve our conflicts with others quickly. We are to make this a priority, especially with a brother or a fellow Christian. Notice the relationship change in these scriptures from brother to adversary. Look at Matthew 5 and verse 22. Whosoever is angry with his brother and whosoever says to his brother, Raka or idiot. And then verse 23, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you. And then in verse 24, Leave your gift there before the altar, and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother. So in each one of those verses, 22, 23, and 24, we have the term brother used. Now look at the change from brother to adversary found in verse 25. Agree with your adversary quickly while you are on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge and the judge hand you over to the officer and you be thrown into prison. So we see this change between verses 24 and 25 where the brother now becomes the adversary. The relationship moves from the need for reconciliation between brothers and ends up in a court battle between adversaries. Notice also the escalation of the conflict. It starts with anger and then progresses to angry words and then eventually moves on to a prolonged offense and eventually ends up in court. The conflict appears to be over money. Verse 26, Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there until you have paid every last penny. The urgency of the text is to quickly resolve our conflicts and to make this a priority in our relationships with others. Let's trace the escalation of this conflict. First, we start with anger. Verse 22, but I say, if you are angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the high council. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. That's Matthew 5, verse 22 in the New Living Translation. Let's read it from the New King James Version. But I say to you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. And whosoever says to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever says you fool shall be in danger of hell fire. 
So murder carries with it consequences and judgment. And so does anger, according to verse 22. Jesus is talking about ungodly anger, an uncontrolled emotional anger that leads to violence. An unjustified anger, whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause. That's the words of the New King James Version. Most people think that their anger is valid, but anger is justified only when God's honor is at stake or when someone is being wronged. Unjustified anger or indignation against sin is not what Jesus is speaking about here. Even Jesus got angry, but the anger of Jesus was justified. Jesus was angry at injustice. It's not wrong to be angry at injustice, but we have to make sure that our anger does not cause us to sin. Because when we're angry, we become vulnerable to sin in that emotional state. And anger without cause is an unjustified anger, rash or hasty anger, where no offense has been given or intended. There is no good reason for the anger, only a perceived reason for the anger. This kind of anger is common, more common than a lot of us would like to admit. Let me illustrate this type of anger, an unjustified anger or an anger without cause. My wife is late in getting home from work, which makes me late for work. She is late because of a traffic accident that blocked the traffic on the way home. I'm thinking to myself, did she have an appointment and neglected to tell me? Did she go shopping? Uh, she knows that I have to be at work by 4 o'clock and it's 3.50 right now. I get angry because of her lack of consideration of my obligations. When I find out the reason for her being late, my anger subsides because her reason was justified. She had no control over the circumstances that made her late. What would happen if I grabbed the car keys and stormed out to the car and raced to work not knowing the real reason why she was late? I would continue to build up a case against her, her lack of consideration for me that made me late for work. My anger was unjustified, but I failed to communicate. I could continue with this unjustified anger for days or weeks or months, failing to talk to her, failing to communicate, and harboring this unjust anger when she was completely justified in being late because of the accident. She had no control over that. And yet I continue to harbor anger, not knowing the real reason why she came home late that night. A person can be angry because of something that they perceived, something that they perceived that was said or done, but they don't really know the truth, and they don't make an effort to find out what the truth is. They continue in their anger towards another, not knowing the real reason. This is anger without a cause. Jesus said, But I say to you, whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. That's Matthew 5 and verse 22. Such a conflict could be taken to a lower court, a local Jewish court, for a settlement. But the brother with the unjustified anger is probably not going to like the outcome. Our angry emotional state can escalate into angry words. 
When we are angry, it's often revealed through the words that we speak. Jesus describes a person who speaks abusively about another. If you call someone an idiot, that's verse 22. Whosoever says to his brother, Raka. Raka is an Aramaic term which means empty one. It is an expression of contempt. We might say something like, you pea brain or idiot. These are angry words of contempt, clearly intended to injure or hurt another person. These angry words clearly reveal wrong thoughts and attitudes towards another. This is a second type of anger mentioned in verse 22, accompanied by an expression of contempt. The Old Testament illustrates this type of action in Michelle's criticism of David, found in 2 Samuel 6 and verse 20. Then David returned to bless his household, and Michelle, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maidens of his servants, as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. The term base fellows refers to an empty person, those of no value or worth. These words were words of criticism and anger leveled at the undignified behavior that David displayed. She was probably jealous as well as angry with David. The New Living Translation says in verse 22, If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the high council. The New King James Version says, Whosoever says to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. The council referred to here is the high court of appeal in Israel. That would be the Sanhedrin. These words of contempt could result in one being brought before the Sanhedrin, the high court in the land, and being sued for libel, injury of a person's reputation and character. But whosoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. If you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell, the New Living Translation says in verse 22. To call someone a fool is the third form of unrighteous anger that Jesus condemns here. Here, the word fool means more than just a dunce. A fool is one who has rejected God. Psalm 53 and verse 1 says, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. In essence, to call a brother a fool is to say he has rejected God and he should be dead. I wish you were dead, you fool. You deserve to die for having rejected God. Today, the equivalent would be to express the words, God damn you, or to hell with you. This is a curse, calling on God to dispatch a person to hell. Jesus says that the one who utters such a curse is in danger of the fires of hell themselves. In the first century, the bodies of executed criminals were often thrown into the garbage dump burning outside of Jerusalem, known as the Valley of Hinnah or Gehenna. This is an illustration of the fires of hell, which shall never be quenched. Notice the escalation of the anger in these verses. First, it starts with an angry emotional state, unjustified anger, anger without a cause. 
Remember, anger can be an occasion to sin. This escalates to angry words of contempt, clearly intending to injure and hurt others, clearly revealing wrong thoughts and attitudes. And then this in turn escalates into further verbal attack and curses, revealing a heart of murder. But I can guarantee that whosoever is angry with another believer will answer for it in court. Whosoever calls another believer an insulting name will answer for it in the highest court. And whosoever calls another believer a fool will answer for it in hell fire. That's verse 22 from God's Word translation. Notice that there is a graduation of punishment with a judgment from the local court, then judgment from the council or the Sanhedrin, and then hellfire. With unjustified anger, one is in danger of lower court action. With the anger of contempt, one is in danger of higher court action, the Sanhedrin. With murder in the heart, one is in danger of hellfire. God now takes action. Jesus teaches that anger contains the seed of murder, that abusive words contain the spirit of murder, and that cursing words holds the very desire to murder. With a greater degree of crime, there is a greater degree of punishment, the judgment, the counsel, and hellfire. Secondly, this conflict escalates to being unresolved or prolonged verses 23 and 24. So if you are standing before the altar in the temple, offering a sacrifice to God, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there beside the altar, go and be reconciled to that person, then come and offer your sacrifice to God. That's 23 and 24 in the New Living Translation. The overall message of these two verses is to be reconciled as soon as possible with others. We must keep this in mind in light of what Jesus has just said back in verses 21 and 22. There was a conflict between two people that caused anger to arise, angry words to be spoken. The conflict was not resolved. Instead, it was buried. When a conflict is not resolved, it gets buried, but it often remains just under the surface. When reminders of the conflict come to mind, anger will often arise, as well as other negative feelings and attitudes. This is an indicator that the conflict is still yet unresolved. Jesus paints a picture of a Jewish worshiper coming to the temple. The Jewish worshiper always comes to worship with an offering for God. The Pharisees were content with the externals of worship, not considering internal matters of the heart, like envy or malice or secret hatred. If a man conforms to the external rites of religion, then this act of worship is acceptable in their thinking. Jesus illustrates for us the seriousness of unresolved conflict. There are at least two different scenarios going on with this Jewish worshiper. First, there is the possibility that this worshiper was giving something to God in order to clear his conscience with an offended brother. Or it's also possible that the conflict was out of his mind 
And as he came to worship, he was reminded of his offense. When a conflict exists between two people, it is God's desire that they reconcile the conflict before attempting to approach him. Our human relationships always affect our relationship with God. You can't be good with God when you're not good with your human relationships. Reconciliation is a two-way street. If one side is unwilling to be reconciled, you are not held responsible. That being said, let me also add that it is our obligation to attempt to reconcile, to do whatever it takes to reconcile our relationship with another person. This principle, do whatever it takes, is illustrated for us in Matthew 5, verses 29 to 30. When Jesus is talking about adultery, this is what he says. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. So Jesus never intended us to take this literally. He exaggerates to make a point. If one has lust in his heart, to pluck out the right eye will only make him a left-eyed luster. Because the problem is in the heart, not in the eye. The point Jesus is trying to make here is that we do whatever it takes. Whatever measures you have to take to reconcile, do it. Put out whatever effort is necessary to reconcile. Deal with it. Don't just do nothing. Don't let life cover it up and put it on the back burner. When you bury something like this, you bury it alive. It remains alive, active and destructive, even though it might be put out of mind. Without reconciling with an offended party, God will not receive the gift that we come to him to offer. Jesus said, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. Go right away and make right that wrong. First be reconciled to your brother before you offer your gift to God. If you have wronged him, make it right. If you owe him a debt which ought to be paid, pay it. If you have injured his character, confess it and seek pardon. If your conduct has been such to lead him to suspect that you have injured him, Give him an explanation, but deal with the problem immediately. Don't delay. Right the wrong quickly. It is hard to worship on a Sunday morning when you've had a horrible fight with your wife in the car on the way to church. Our worship is unacceptable to God when an unresolved conflict exists that we haven't attempted to make right. We often fight this because it involves humbling ourselves before another person. This is not an easy thing to do, but God requires it. Summarizing our principles of worship. Our worship will not be acceptable unless we do all we can to live peaceably with others. It is our duty to seek reconciliation with others when we have injured them. This should be done before we attempt to worship God. This is often the reason why God does not accept our offering and we walk away from him empty-handed. We have been talking about the escalation of conflict. First, we talked about anger. 
Then we talked about unresolved conflict. Now we want to talk about the end result, the court battle. So let's look at verses 25 and 26. Come to terms quickly with your enemy before it is too late, and you are dragged into court, handed over to an officer, and thrown in jail. I assure you that you won't be free again until you have paid the last penny. That's Matthew 25 and 26 in the New Living Translation. Agree with your adversary quickly while you are on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge, and the judge hand you over to the officer, and you be thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say to you that you will by no means get out of there until you have paid the last penny. That's from the New King James Version. See the change in relationship in verse 25. Agree with your adversary quickly. The emphasis here is on being reconciled immediately. The issue between brothers, now adversaries, is now going to court. To put off reconciliation creates all kinds of bondages. We put ourselves into a terrible prison when we refuse to reconcile. Jesus advises that we settle the matter on the way to court. Don't let conflict go unresolved. The assumption in this scripture is that you are the guilty party. If therefore when you are offering your gift upon the altar, you remember that your brother has a grievance against you. That's verse 23. Come to terms quickly with your enemy before it is too late and you are dragged into court, handed over to an officer and thrown into jail. That's verse 25. Jesus warns us about the reluctance to admit guilt. We need to be quick to admit our wrong, especially before God. It is better to promptly settle with an accuser than to run the risk of court trial. If that happens, we are bound to lose. The point is clear. If you are wrong, be quick to admit it and make things right. If you remain unrepentant, your sin will eventually catch up with you. Jesus urges us to go out of our way to avoid legal conflict before human judges. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. That's Matthew 5 verse 40. Brothers should be able to resolve their conflicts outside of the legal system and not be in a hurry to go to court. If you do, the law will find you out. When the Bible talks about being delivered to the judge, the judge handing you over to the officer, and you being thrown into prison, this is the normal legal process that one would encounter in a civil suit if guilty. Unresolved conflict with others creates a prison of its own for us. Jesus began this conversation by talking about the sixth commandment of Moses, do not murder. Jesus related murder to anger, that the seeds of murder are found in unresolved anger. We looked at the escalation of anger and the importance of promptly admitting wrong and attempting to resolve our conflicts with others before it escalated into something much worse. Come to terms with your opponent quickly while you are yet with him on the way to the court. 
to prevent your opponent from handing you over to the judge and the judge to the jailer and so you be thrown into prison. I tell you truly that you will certainly not get out of there until you have paid back every last cent. Join us in two weeks for our next episode of Relevant Truth. Never miss an episode of the podcast by subscribing on iTunes. If you like this podcast, why not rate and review the podcast on iTunes? You can also visit my website, relevanttruthpodcast.com, where you will find an archive of all of my messages and book recommendations. You can also contact me at rockrevmason79 at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.